Hello, and welcome back to Kyle's Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're covering the Babylon 5 Season 1 episode, By Any Means Necessary. Um, neat little fun fact about this episode, it's written by Catherine Drennan, who uh, was, at the time, J. Michael Straczynski, or JMS's wife. Uh, they are no longer married, however, they still remain best friends. Um, the details of their the reasons they got married and the reasons they got divorced, but maintaining friendship is detailed in JMS's autobiography, Becoming Superman. Uh, it's very interesting. It's not that neither one of them love each other anymore, it's the fact that uh, that JMS uh, had uh, w wanted to be alone, that, he, that as a result of his background, as a result of everything that had happened with his parents and whatnot, that he never wanted to uh, be with someone, and it was more of a uh, convenience of life that he was with Catherine. And but they both agreed to part ways, but it was more of a it was a, it was a mutual parting, and they, and they still maintained their friendship uh, to to a great extent to the point that he declares her his best friend. So it's very interesting to see that the that the the love between them was never diminished it was more of a situational deal uh, in regards to people's mental health in the relationship so it was a mutual parting um but about the babylon 5 episode itself uh this episode is in is following up on a thing that we saw uh multiple times uh in uh in survivors we have the mention about uh the the the, the budget cuts um that in regards to earth and of course garibaldi was reading a newspaper at one point where he mentioned that uh president santiago was there to address the issues of budget in regards to earth guff and of course babylon 5 being an earth-run station um the the results of budget cuts within the earth government of course is going to affect babylon 5 in some capacity um there's there's this interesting concept of of uh of the divide between the people living there and the people far away uh, issuing orders that they're not there they don't understand the differences so uh, the great example uh, zento uh is is bothered to come to the b5 station because you know he's like i i'm on a time constraint i have other things i have to do why do i have to deal with this this is really annoying and he he makes mention that Babylon Five is a military installation in 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 between uh you know in hostile territory in between multiple alien governments. Now, if you think about that for a second, that makes no sense in regards to what Babylon Five's mission statement is, which is one of peace, which is one of cooperation, which is one that it is stationed in a in neutral territory. So that it will allow representatives from every government, both Earth and the other aliens, from the non-aligned worlds to major players like the Mimbari, the Centauri, or the Narn, to uh, to come and to discuss things, to work out their differences peacefully, as they say in the theme. Every every episode, you know, it's it's a UN in space. It's not it's not supposed to be military installation. It has military personnel on it. It has ways to defend itself. And um, Sinclair operates as both the Earth ambassador and 
a uh, military governor of a city almost that is that is his function on the station and of course he is uh, and of course we have multiple members of the military and that's even called out that Ivanova and Sinclair are career military so uh, their perspective on certain things is going to be different than other people's it is not to say that it is a military installation it has military personnel on it but it's it's goal is peace and not uh, war and it, and it is not not stationed amongst hostile territory at all it is a neutral territory so obviously earth's perception of what b5 is versus what b5's perception of what it actually is is entirely different which, which is uh, which is an interesting idea and of course once again we are seeding the fact earth is not perfect uh to, uh, to quote sinclair things are changing on earth and not all for the better uh there clearly earth has issues and it's been having issues as we've repeatedly seen throughout these episodes these are not the, the earth is not bright and shiny it is not a paradise there's issues and it's going to, is eventually something is going to break and that para, the, 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 the sort of the 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 reality of what earth actually is will be uh become something you know uh, this is not a spoiler when I say that obviously we're building to something. I won't say what, but we are building to something. Um, the the entire uh, idea of the, the worker strike, uh, very, very interesting. One of the great things about Babylon 5 is it takes the mundane and makes it important. Uh, so a worker strike over budget cuts uh, probably wouldn't make for that particularly interesting television because it's a lot of meetings and and strikes and in in while we've had a lot of you know storied history in regards to worker strikes in the past uh, including you know massacres uh, that led to several people's deaths uh, through overreaction um, oftentimes strikes are handled uh, much more uh, much more peacefully especially in recent years, uh, though sometimes that's not the case. Once again, it depends. Um, so it probably wouldn't make all that much of interesting television, but they managed to make it interesting television by showing the effects of it. So because the dark workers aren't working there, uh, people are backed up. You know, the station only has a certain amount of docking rings that they can get onto. You know, everything's full up. People, uh, you know, there's there's a ship that's been waiting around for three hours. Um... The entire subplot, the entire B plot between Londo and Jakar happens as a result of the A plot worker strike, and the fact that uh, Jakar's religious plants, the Quan F, cannot be delivered uh, as a result of the worker strike, uh, and the and the ship that the ship that got damaged. Um, so it's this entire uh, idea of making making the um, the mundane. Uh, interesting and relatable and um, just making good drama like you know you to quote Douglas Adams I you know a story doesn't have to be grand I can tell you a story about a really strange uh, shade of the color blue uh, it, you may it may not seem interesting to you but the moment I tell you that 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 odd shade of the color blue is actually a very lonely man who just lost his wife you would be really interested uh, so, once again, the, you take the mundane, you make it interesting, and you show it on a larger scale as to make it interesting to the uh, to the listener or to the reader or to the viewer. Um, and Babylon 5 has always been great at that. 
Um, the the worker strike thing over budget cuts is is something that I can uh, oddly relate to in the fact that it's all about economics. In the fact, I, d I don't fully understand economics. I didn't take that degree. I took a degree in creative writing, which is why I'm focusing on character arcs and story in this uh, in in this sort of uh, review format that I'm doing for the show. But I ran. I also ran a comic book society when I was at university. I was the leader. I was the chair. Uh, and as a result of the very niche, uh, the, 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 the niche uh, fan, fandom that is comics, I didn't have a large membership. So, uh, and I ended up doing most things myself in regards to society running. Well, normally you would have, you would have a chair, a vice chair, a social secretary, a treasurer, etc., um, I chose to do uh, do it almost all myself. Um, I had people officially elected. I will, and I was very very into making sure that the society ran the way I wanted it to run. So I ended up doing most things myself, just to make it simplistic. And plus, they were my friends, and I didn't want to take up their time with the bore the boring bureaucracy that is dealing with a, a student union and uh and trying to run a society where we're just trying to have fun so i did it all myself and as a result like we would ask for a budget and then we would get less than what we asked for which is to be expected but then they would come back and reduce our budget later on in the year and we ask why and they're like well you're not spending enough it's because we were saving up for a big trip to um uh to to go for free combo day but they thought that that was a strange concept and, and were like, you should be spending it more and more, more frequently. And then when we went to go to see a, a one of the Marvel films and we were asked to pay with the budget, our society budget, for this, uh, for this, uh, uh, for this movie, they're like, it's not a social event. I'm like, what do you mean going to see a movie with your society members is not a social event? They they just cla they they refuse to answer. Just say it's not a social event. But you could pay for the train ride, which is most definitely not a social event. Because more often than not, when fighting for trains in the middle of the afternoon or or early evening, you're not you're not gonna get uh, seats together. It's it's ram packed with but a bunch of people. You are just trying to get get to your destination. You're gonna sit in silence half the time unless you're lucky enough to get a seat next to someone you can talk to. Uh, so, but they classify that as a social event, but not a, going to a movie to go see with your society members and being there reacting to what's going on on screen and then talking about it after the movie is over and, and enjoying the spectacle that is going to see a movie. Um, so there was a lot of contention between me and the bureaucracy that was the student union. Um, and when I didn't spend all my budget, uh, as a result of this this stupid mandating by the bureaucracy, the next year I had a reduced budget, so I didn't even have enough money to pay off like half the things I wanted to do for the next year. Especially considering my membership tripled the next year, so I had to deal with the fact that I had new members and I was paying for stuff out of pocket to ensure that they didn't have to spend their own money, so that they could have a good time, so that they wouldn't be disrupted. And it was frankly annoying um so i have i have experience with this sort of thing granted 
the the bureaucracy and politics of a student union in a university in the United Kingdom is very different from real life politics, from actual regular ordinary politics, especially when it comes to budget and economics, and it's very different from a fictionalized world that is trying to operate as though it's realistic and with realistic expectations for politics and budget and economics. But it's a sort of a microcosm of the of the reality that is economics and budget. Um, it's on a small scale. So I got to understand that to a certain extent. And so Sinclair's frustration with everything is very apparent um and he's and he's dealing with two people that are very extreme you know you have Connolly arguing pro-worker which ultimately Sinclair agrees with but he's having to play the middle ground he is the Babylon 5 commander he has to take a neutral stance he has to negotiate peace that is his job so we're repeatedly seeing that, and uh, and then Zinto is obviously pro-government, pro their their spending, and of course, uh, there there there's mentions uh, of you know the the government conveniently uh, allocating funds to like stupid things to get better suits and whatnot, which is something that we see regularly in real life. Political fat cats often putting money in their own pocket instead of giving it to the people that actually deserve it and giving it to the people that they work for. They give it to themselves because corruption is notorious in all levels of politics. But also the increased military budget, because as Zinto says, Babylon 5 is a military installation in a hostile territory, which of course not, as I've mentioned previously. But um, conveniently, you know, they were more than willing to allocate an increased budget for military spending, but refused to pay the dock workers more. And they're, and they're working with... Uh, outdated equipment and outdated uh, outdated tools and uh, they're working insane hours for very little money and the the, the concept there is uh, not only is Babylon 5 the, the, the intention behind the outdated equipment and everything was that Babylon 5 was thrown together. It was the last best hope. So Babylon's 1, 2, and 3, you know, exploded, sabotaged, etc. Babylon 4 mysteriously disappeared uh, after 24 hours of going on, uh, going operational, and then Babylon 5 was made very cheaply. Babylon 4 was like the big high budget one, uh, made with, uh, you know, top of the line tech. Babylon 5 was just scraps, and that's reflected in its appearance. Babylon 5 looks like it was thrown together, and that's the point, is that everybody had kind of given up on the Babylon project, but they were still insisted on trying it, and they made it, but it, it's sort of cobbled together from various different aspects, and it's all outdated, but it's going to have to make do. It's our last best hope for peace. It makes that, uh, that line, which is a quote from Abraham Lincoln, uh, very literal. And uh, the entirety of that Sinclair is trying to play the middle ground uh, between two extremes is clearly shown in that final in that final uh, negotiation scene just before Zinto enacts the Rush Act in which um, in which uh, he every every uh, compromise Sinclair tries to offer is blatantly ignored and he would have exposed his actual plan if they had bothered to listen to him if they bothered to let him finish but no they were so insistent on pledging their own agenda the, you know Connolly pro-worker Zinto pro-government 
that there was no middle ground for them to see that they're so they're so ingrained in their own personal biases when Sinclair goes hey i'm going to be uh i i i i, I i've been looking at the budget i understand uh that, that we can allocate some funds and then he's completely cut off and then at the end of course wins into enacts the rush act and of course the wording of the rush act is supposed to be a threat it's in, it's supposed to be aggressive so the the, the, the the idea is that um, the you know you 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 end an illegal strike by any means necessary. The implication is you go in, you attack them, you kill them. You know, as as we've seen throughout history with the horrible massacres, uh, especially during the Industrial Revolution. But Sinclair reads this exactly how any smart person would read this by any means necessary. Okay, I'm going to allocate part of the military budget that the government gave me. To paying off the workers and be buying new equipment that uh if you if you're giving me the supreme authority to end this by any means you that i see fit by any means necessary then i choose a peaceful solution and the solution is to do the exact same thing that i planned to do in my compromise which was to allocate a portion of the increased military budget to be used to pay the dock workers it's an incredibly smart move by Sinclair and uh, exposes how sometimes laws are meant to be uh, laws laws are very interpretive sometimes it, it depends on the law and how it's written but as a result you can you can skirt your way around particular laws uh, for instance let's say a law is intended in this case to be aggressive against something you can then skirt your way around it and look at another con look, look at it another concept I lo look at the dock workers is very interesting we get uh, Eduardo who will um, who will be, make a cameo I'm, I'm not gonna put that in the spoiler section simply because he does make a cameo um, in uh, in a future episode in season two which is nice to see him but also uh i think the most interesting uh humanization we get of the dark workers uh because obviously a lot of the large majority of it is spent with mob mentality you know aggressive uh stupid and easy to provoke that's mob mentality in a nutshell you know individual person is smart but put them in a crowd and they'll go the way whatever the way the crowd goes and crowds are incredibly easy to provoke um, but the one of the more interesting aspects is that when when Garibaldi goes to talk to them and he's like I don't want to don't want to do this to you and blah 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 Connolly go he goes I I can understand Sinclair and Ivanova taking this this action because they're career military they see things differently but under all that security force gray um, you, I, I, I can see you as being blue collar, which is very Garibaldi. He's an everyman kind of character, as I've talked about before, and especially as I talked about last time. So as a result, we see that um, he's uh, he's even viewed as sort of an incredibly relatable person. He's not just the audience surrogate to the everyman character that the audience can latch onto. He's also he's very down to earth you know he's not he's not bureaucratic he's not military he's something else he's just an ordinary guy as he mentions that his mother was uh, was a cop in the boston police like he's very very down to earth very ordinary the b plot is a lot of fun i like the way we we contrast the 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 the, the situation with the dock workers where the situation with the dock workers caused the b plot and the fact that it, it is such a small thing has massive political ramifications 
as a result of the Narn Centauri conflict. And Londo is doing this all for personal spite. That uh, that after the events of Midai on the firing line, because of everything that happened on Ragash 3 and with Karn Malari, uh, Londo refuses to give the Jaquan F plant to Jakar, which Jakar needs for his religious ceremony. And Sinclair has to figure out a compromise, of which eventually he does. You once again cleverly looking at laws and using it to uh, to get the compromise to work. Um, one of the more interesting aspects of the, the the this entire B plot is the the increased look at Narn uh, the, the, the Narn society. Um, you know, we we get the mentions of Jaquan, who's the leader of one of the great faiths. Like obviously he's some form of prophet. He wrote a book and uh Chikar is obviously a big proponent of this book and uh in, in th this religion and obviously his, his religion means a lot to him as we see the way he's acting and the way how how just uh incredibly uh scared he is in the situation and worried he is because this means a lot to him lanto of course takes the very centauri look at it where he where he believes this is just to save face uh for the the the, the narn that it is not religious at all it's just a way of once again turning the nose up the centauri of course that, that's not the way it is for jakar well jakar may like that aspect of it it's more about what that religion means to him because that religion means a great deal to him uh, that he's that he is not he's not a religious zealot. He's got more of the the the, the feeling about him of a very kind man who uh, who uh, takes his religion very seriously, but he doesn't force it upon anybody. It is just an important aspect of his life. Um, the the sort of kind preacher mentality. Um, and and what, what, what's nice about that is once again we're getting more humanization of 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 Chikar. He's once again. He's betrayed early on as a villain, and as he progresses, he becomes less of that because the intention was to subvert what audience expected. And this is where, this is, you know, we've already started doing it, but this, like, firmly establishes the religious aspect of, of Chikar, which, of course, will become incredibly important from here on out. Uh, and it's already been mentioned before, but this is where it really comes to a head, where we really see what his religion means to him. But also, we break the tradition, once again subverting uh, audience expectations, about um, mono-culture uh, mono and mono-religion uh, mono worlds in science fiction, often in science fiction, especially science fiction television, because we have limited time, and as a result of early on, uh, you know, television being very episodic and not week to week to week to week serialized dramas. Um, we only had 42 minutes, you know, or whatever to, uh, explore a concept, an idea, uh, tell a theme, tell a story, you know, and have character progression. So we didn't have a whole lot of time to develop a world. So often alien cultures would be very... Uh, very singular, you know, very early on all Vulcans believed what Vulcans believed and all Klingons act the way Klingons act. There is no, there's no divide between the people, even though we are infinitely dividable, uh, as seen in the Parliament of Dreams where Sinclair cannot figure out a way to demonstrate the dominant uh, belief system because there is no dominant belief system on Earth. And to make things more realistic, we should be making 
uh, alien culture is more like that, less singular, less single culture, less single religion, etc., etc., and more divided like we are, that, that we can come together, but we are unique in our own ways. Um, there are an infinite amount of religions, an infinite amount of cultures to that, 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 that form our, our existence. Um, and we see that Natoth, Jakar's assistant, doesn't believe in Jaquan. She doesn't believe much of anything. And that, uh, in, in that her father was the follower of a different prophet. So obviously there's, there's a divide in Narn society of over who they believe in and, uh, the, the religious aspects, but there's still, um, uh, there's this, still the sense that they can come together and work together for a, the betterment of Narn society, which I think is r really good on on the behalf of everyone to 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 subvert audience expectations to make this alien culture not singular, and also to reflect a bit of ourselves in them. As a result, I, I'm going to go ahead and go into brief spoilers. I don't have a whole lot. Um, so Senator Hidoshi, of course, appears again. He's appeared before. He's going to be mentioned again in season two. Uh, he's very pro B5, but he has to, much like Sinclair, pull the hard line between balancing the expectations of the Senate and EarthGov and helping out Babylon 5. So we're getting this uh, interesting look and in, re in realistic politics that sometimes even though you're pro something, you have to uh, you have to uh, skirt the line, like like how we see with Sinclair, uh, where he obviously agrees with the workers, uh, but he has to pull the he has to play the party line. He has to skirt the middle ground because it's his job. Um, that that is, is really interesting, and uh, of course, when he when he's mentioned again in uh, in uh, in now for a word, he's former Senator Hidoshi, implying that he was kicked out of the Senate for his B five mentality, especially because of everything that was going on on Earth at the time and Clark's eventual rise to power and uh, takeover of Earth government. So um, the the other big aspect. Of spoilers that I want to talk about is uh, Sinclair being mentioned as being more spiritual than one might think uh, by Jakar when he when he explains to Jakar that uh, that the, the 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 sun that com that comes over the Jaquan Mountain ten years ago will, the, that actual light will be passing through uh, Babylon Five space uh, right around now so you can go and do that ceremony it'll just be the light from ten years ago. And and Jakar remarks of how spiritual that is of uh, for for Sinclair to think about. Uh, of course, as I mentioned, he's he's spent some time with Jesuit priests. He's obviously religious in some form, as mentioned by Garibaldi a few episodes ago, where he's like, "You better you you know you better pray to that god of yours, Jeff." Uh, in, you know, uh, implying that. Garibaldi is not not religious, but Sinclair is, and they're good friends, and they acknowledge their differences in the, in that religious sense. Um, of course, the, the the big thing about that is that Sinclair eventually will become Valen, the if effectively the formation the the, the the centerpiece, the person who forms Mimbari society and Mimbari religion, eff effectively becoming. Uh, you know, space Jesus to a certain extent. Uh, so it's really interesting to see that religious aspect of him already being built up. The the other thing is is that uh, 
is that um, Sinclair makes enemies. You know, as Senator Hidoshi says, that Sinto has powerful friends. You made them look like fools, and the only reason why the Senate went along with it is because popular opinion is on your side. But the, most of the Senate disagreed. Um, be this being Babylon 5, of course, we will come back to that. In, it's an episode called Eyes, which will see, uh, see a personal vendetta take a more... Uh, a, a more political stance as a result of this episode and the episode called Mind War. And this episode and other episodes in which Sinclair makes specific decisions that go against EarthGov's Earth wishes will be called into question. Uh, so it's really nice to see uh, cer certain aspects being built upon and certain arcs being built upon, even though, once again, Season 1 is less serialized than the other seasons as a result of compromises that James had to make to get the show made. Uh, and the expectations of television at the time and the way production worked, it's still building upon itself, it's still building a mythology, and once we open the door to full serialization, it won't come as much of a shock, because even in, in more episodic formats, such as season one, we're still building things in the background for people. So that is everything for this episode. And speaking of economics, I'll go ahead and tell my stuff that, uh, once again, I have two comics out on Taypass that you can go read. Uh, one, All the World's a Stage, a psychological thriller, and uh, The Path You Choose to Walk, which is a fantasy comic. Uh, and you can support my comics and this podcast and everything else I do, including Nerd vs. Nerd, a podcast I do with a friend of mine from the UK called Lily, uh, on my Patreon at patreon.com slash kyleshare, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram to get insights into my writing, uh, previews of my comics, or just my day-to-day -day thoughts at, uh, on Twitter uh, at KyleJShare and Instagram at KyleJShare as well. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next week for one of the most important episodes of Babylon 5 Season 1, Signs Importance. See you then. Bye. <laughs>